Chapter Nineteen of Lift Luck on Southern Roads by Tigner Edwards. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Sunday morning in Winchester. Sunday morning in Winchester, and so far the coldest, the brightest, the breeziest morning of all. In the cathedral close, the leaves were flying grey pigeons fluttered here and there on the vast front of the cathedral or lanced down through the sunlight the transverse paths in the close were thronged with people all hurrying towards the west door and over all far up in the blue sky it seemed a solemn deep-throated bell tolled for service its hoarse voice strangely varying as though the wind drove the sound about just as it was driving the red lime leaves this was no ordinary sunday that i had chanced upon in winchester the autumn assizes were being held and to-day the judges would attend the cathedral service in state escorted thither by the mayor and corporation in full regalia i had been warned that if i would secure one of the coveted seats in the chancel between the choir stalls and the sanctuary i must get there betimes but even thus early all the town seemed to be flocking towards the cathedral i made what haste was decently possible and found myself at length on one of the foremost benches whence i had an uninterrupted view down the vast nave with most cathedrals the immediate effect of being in them is to make you think of other cathedrals an endless array of comparisons springs up in the mind and the pleasure that you might have in what is before you is often discounted by the memory of something finer farther away but winchester has this unique quality that once you have passed its door it is the only cathedral in the world for you other great and beautiful churches are greater and more beautiful it may well be but the loveliest and grandest of them is only built of stone while winchester is built of air and sunlight and not only that the very life of the air is in its soaring snow-white intricacy of column and arch so that every cloud that dims the sun changes it bodily and the travelling light forms and dissolves and forms again its aerial masonry giving you the impression of a great white rose expanding its multitudinous petals under your very eyes so it seemed to me as i sat in the crowded chancel waiting for the arrival of the judges and their municipal escort through the towering choir screen black with the venerable blackness of age which is never sombre the whole vast nave was visible the sunshine coming aslant through the windows of the eastern isle struck only upon those wonderful fluted pillars leaving the bays between quiet in twilight and giving to the nave 
an appearance of immeasurable length and height i tried to estimate the girth of the great columns the span of the arches the real altitude of the forest roof of white tracery overhead the distance between the reredos carved out of the same summer cloud-like stone and the west door open and framing in a vivid rectangle of autumn crimson and gold but the thing was impossible human ideas of mensuration seem to fail here as they fail in the night star-house of the ether it was not that you were brought face to face with utter boundlessness it was that there was nothing here to measure nothing that began or ended nothing that kept solidity or dimension for more than a moment in the sunlight incessantly flowing or waning to and fro in the shadows for ever changing place and form and intensity in the very air of the place that seemed to have a mirage power of hiding the real stone while giving shape and substance to the mere dust motes there was the same irresistible feeling of growth of a beautiful expanding and soaring efflorescence as though we wandering children in the wilderness had stopped here to make holy ground for worship and forthwith the cloudy pillar had enveloped us leaguing with the sunshine to build us a tabernacle out of mist and light a strange silence the whispering rustling silence that always holds where a great congregation is brought together dwelt in the entire cathedral the bell still tolled making a solemn sweet booming sound very quiet and far away the minutes crept on at length this bell stopped and high up in the cathedral tower the clock began to strike drone through its eleven muffled mighty notes then seemed to leave the whole building vibrating in a deeper silence than ever for all the whispering and rustling had abruptly ceased all eyes were now turned towards the far-off western door where out in the wind and leaf-winnowed sunlight another crowd was gathered i could hear the low tumult of their voices strangely contrasting with the hush close-wrought expectant that was over the great concourse within i looked at the sea of rapt intent faces around me i knew that my own face showed the same eagerness the same downright excitement and i asked myself were we agog with all this strained expectancy really because of the thing that had ostensibly brought us here the two seemed out of all proportion there we were standing on tiptoe neck craning beyond neck every eye fixed on that patch of far-off flickering sunshine just for what to all but me must long have grown a familiar spectacle coming twice in each year of our lives what it really was that moved so strangely the other units in the crowd was known probably not even to themselves instinct brought them there 
they stayed they went home again the impulse gratified but for myself an old and often inconvenient habit of analysing emotions seemed to give a clue to the situation i had come to the cathedral for the place itself with but a casual almost languid interest in what i was to see yet twenty minutes waiting in that vast quiet cavernous place had wholly transformed me why i asked myself again and the answer seemed to be that though i cared little for church-going judges and corporations i cared a great deal for what they alone could now bring me that long wait in the cathedral wherein i had drunk my fill of the beauty of form rightly the one appeal of architecture had left me hungering and thirsting for the other two that go to make the trinity of perfect beauty generous colour and sound in the whole wide space there was the blackness of the carven oak and the wreathing pale loveliness of the stonework but of colour almost nothing and of music only the one dim reiterated tone no wonder those who pass so much of their lives in the wan hueless precincts of these great churches delight to make of their ritual a feast of music and colour it becomes the necessity that knows no law if at that moment the very pope of rome had filled protestant winchester with all the glittering mitres and monstrances all the flaring perambulation of gold and purple in his great sea i for one should have been only delighted and edified i stood staring down the misty sunlit glade of the cathedral ripe and ready for the bravest that legal or civic pomp could show the silence just then seemed too profound to be broken by anything short of a thunderclap but as the cutting of a silken cord launches a great battleship the merest thread of music now brought our whole great house of quiet tumbling about our ears outside in the rippling sunshine of the cathedral close there rang out one long dim fanfaronade of trumpets and at once the waiting choir burst forth a hundred voices it seemed led by the great organ sent the strains of the national anthem flooding to the roof the procession began to pour up the nave the white surplice singing choir the priests the judges the garrison commandants the mayor with aldermen and councillors in train scarlet of divinity and scarlet of law scarlets of municipal and military power gold glint of uniforms college hoods in crimson and white and blue the rich deep purple of the councillor's robes and the bedizened beadle carrying his shining mace on high the whole stream of luxuriant colour came flowing up the wide nave up the chancel steps and drew to rest in the place of honour 
reserved for it amidst the old black filigree of the stalls every gleam of prismatic light and every note of that grand symphony came to me like rain after drought eyes and ears drank deep drank again and again while the judges in their wicks and ermine capes settled down to their places and the mayor rustled into his throne behind the mace and the officiating priests got out their holy books for the service to come the music died away the silence gathered again and in the midst of it came one low clear note from the organ followed by words that all but startled an exclamation from my lips i will arise and go to my father and will say unto him father i have sinned against heaven and before thee and am no more worthy to be called thy son here was an absolutely astounding thing the very words i had heard a week before in the little church on ilchester marshes raised in exhortation to a crowd of poverty-stricken peasants were chosen now to admonish this exalted company high-placed clerics and eminent judges gallant master-soldiers the chief dignitaries of a great provincial town here they were all together ready to kneel in prayer on the fine carpets of a cathedral at call of the same simple words that had brought the yokels to their knees on the druggets of the little village church i was startled i say at this obvious inevitable thing i know and knew then that i had no more reason to be startled than at the sight of blue in a summer sky but for all that it came to me with intensely novel awakening force for we live all our lives under the shelter of great truths and just because they are common universal eternal we seldom think of looking up to see what blesses us sunshine the air the bread-giving earth the catholic faith shall we in their full enjoyment ever be great enough to estimate them at the price of their loss i had listened to the old english morning prayer in many churches great and small but never with so much delight and profit as there in the crowded chancel of winchester it was leisurely and staid and reverent quietude hastlessness were the dominant keynotes through all and the music seemed to me the last thing in refined beauty it was good to see the worldly old judges the apple-faced mare and the gorgeous beadle singing out lustily together good to see all kneeling scarlet and homespun high and low in the same common brotherhood of prayer and when sermon time came and the judge's chaplain mounted the pulpit instead of one of winchester's usual mentors it was good to see dean and canons and prebendaries settling down to listen with the humblest layman there 
he was a personable man the judge's chaplain a fine stalwart thick-set man with a woolsey face and carriage admirably set off by his flowing black silk robes his cambric weepers his durham hood of brilliant blue he began with the usual long and quaint exhortation to prayer for all manner of things under the sun delivered with much sonorousness and formality this done he faced squarely about studied the elements in his congregation for a quiet moment or two then began his discourse in a very different strain it was not long before i guessed that he had lately received much the same sharp reminder of the gliding propensities of time as had come to me in amesbury when listening to the song of the river i judged him to have been thinking a good deal on the matter of late as i myself had been doing only in his case apparently no wise old man had come to his elbow with counsel such as had put my own dubities at rest the problem of how to grow old cropped up continually in the trend of the sermon but each time he touched upon it i could not see that he brought a solution much nearer rather he called down about it obscuring thoughts of melancholy and foreboding which a courageous resignation seemed to harden rather than temper and the deeper he got into his subject the more profoundly it seemed to lead him into troubled and tentative paths he had loved life well i should say and small blame to him and it was a sore thing though he would not own to it to see it slipping away his words seemed to carry a vision of life as a voyage on a river whose course had lain many leagues through spangled meadow and prosperous sunshine but now there was visible ahead a wall of ominous grey mist into which the river flowed and vanished to come out again no doubt into a greater brilliance and prosperity than ever but through what dark interval and when he began with rather an over-refinement of manner the pregnant words clogged as i thought by too perfect breeding in a sincere earnest man i guessed as he warmed to his work that he would sooner or later break away from these cobweb manacles the aegis of his office and that the true naked-souled man would win boldly out and so it happened always with complete reserve and restraint never letting his voice lift above its steady level the strong nature of the man began to vibrate and heave under the suave exterior and professional gravity and importance and in the end he made a great triumph out of his very difficulties there was no doubt of the meaning he flashed to us then old age must come death must come we must all pass into the valley of the shadow these were great mysteries if you can admit their truth and still face them all without a tremor of foreboding 
well then you are more than human more than i see how the shadows gather round the way and will not be denied and yet be of good heart there is still something the one great saving clause to be reckoned with it was all told not in these words nor in any words but by a look an eloquent pause a bowed head and then the spoken line clear and low in the silence abide with me fast falls the eventide End of chapter 19